welcome back to the podcast. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at the letter of James. Now, we live in a world that tells us what to think day by day. Is that something a Christian should just live with? Well, James in this letter, he wants to warn us about double-mindedness, living as if we are a Christian and a non-Christian at the same time. So let's dive in and hear what he has to say. Come with me to the doctor's surgery. Open your mouth and stick out your tongue, the very first diagnostic test the doctor performs. Please stick out your tongue. And with what looks like a, a stirring stick from a coffee shop, they take a look at your tongue. Well, we're back in James this evening. And if you can cast your minds back to before summer, we've been seeing that James is being a doctor. And he's diagnosed us all with a severe case of double-mindedness. A case of saying one thing whilst doing another. He's just called his readers and us to show their faith by their works. And now he moves on to words. Words are works, after all, aren't they? Well, I wonder how much you speak. According to statistic gatherers, we speak on average 7,000 words a day. That's an average, so some less and some a lot more. And if we're British, apparently we spend six months of our lives Six months of our lives talking about the weather. Not sure how much I believe those statistics, but there you go. Either way, it's fair to say we use words a lot. But words have a great potential for damage, don't they? Perhaps you know that acutely this evening. That old mantra, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me, is totally untrue, isn't it? And James wants us to see this evening that our words just show the issue he's been highlighting all along. Our words show that we're double-minded. And if you need convincing, Dr. James says, show me your tongue. If in doubt, stick your tongue out. I'm going to read from James chapter 3 verses 1 to 12. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, They are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. 
Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives, or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. He starts quite strongly, doesn't he? Verse 1. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Ouch. But if we stop and think about it, surely a double-minded church ought to have more teachers. If we all have a problem of double-mindedness, surely more teachers would help that. Now those words are heavy and those words are the headline for chapter 3. The whole of this section connects into that verse. Now let me just clear up a misconception. It may be tempting to hear me saying, you ought not to be teachers. I should obviously, I mean that's what I do, but you, no. But let me tell you that is not what I'm saying and that's not what James is saying here. What James is saying here, if we look carefully at the text, is that teachers will be judged more strictly. Well, the question is how? Well, remember the average number of words that we speak a day. 7,000, give or take. Because if you're a teacher, your words are far more on display than others. See, as a teacher speaks, people are listening and some of you are taking notes. And not only that, those words get recorded and they get uploaded onto the church website for all to hear. Just think how many words from Sam or myself you can find on our church website. It sends a shiver down my spine. Each time that someone gets up to speak, each time a teacher opens their mouth, they should feel the fear, the weightiness of speaking for God. Each time a preacher preaches, they should realise just how serious what they're about to do is. Our words show us what's on the inside. And if you teach, well, that's on display even more. Verse 2. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. See, our words, they demonstrate what is on the inside. The more you speak, the more there is to judge. James has just said that believers should be slow to speak and quick to hear And he tops it off. Be careful with your words. Every one of us stumbles in this way. James is frank and honest about that. In fact, you either know that or you're a liar, James says. If in doubt, stick your tongue out. Well, why is that the case? James gives us three lessons on the tongue. The first is in verses three to five. And as I read these verses, just notice how the small thing controls the large thing in each. Verse 3. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. That's our first lesson. If you can control the small, you can control the big. See, a small piece of metal can turn a muscle-ripped horse. A small rudder can turn an ocean liner around. The small thing can control the large. 
And the same thing goes for the tongue. The same goes for the tongue's destructive power. That's our second lesson. The tongue is destructive. Second half of verse 5 onwards. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. Just one cigarette out of a car window, just one match in the wrong place and billions upon billions of pounds of damage is done. A whole forest can be destroyed. And just like that, just with one word, a person's life can be destroyed. That's how destructive the tongue can be. And the third lesson, the tongue is more wild than the wild beasts. Have a look at verse 7 and 8. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. You see, we can drive over to Whipsnade. We can see the lions and tigers and bears, oh my, all in their cages. All performing tricks at the beckoning of their tamer. But the tongue, no man's been able to tame that. There are no tongue zoos. Your tongue is more wild than the wildest of beasts. James paints a stark picture, doesn't he? And the thing is, we all know it to be true. If in doubt, stick your tongue out. As James has been saying all the way through his short letter, the issue is that we're double-minded. As verse 9 says, we praise our God and Father and we curse our fellow human with the same tongue. We say one thing whilst we do another. Our tongues are forked, they're two-faced. And this is the human condition. We're all in this camp. As we've said, if in doubt, stick your tongue out. We'll come back with me to the doctor's surgery. The medical examination is over. Thanks for showing your tongue. Now put it back in your mouth and never let it out again. This section of James, it seems to be quite pessimistic, right? We see James wants us to take a real hard look at ourselves. He wants us to take a real hard look at our tongues and to see that we're all in this boat. Because... Like a good doctor, James is telling us what's wrong with us so that we can get on to the cure. As we realise our own failure before God, the only way forward is to approach him in humility, to realise that we cannot fix ourselves and therefore turn to God for help. As James has said back in chapter 1 verse 5, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. Or, as he'll say at the end of this section in chapter 4, verse 10, humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. So let's use this passage to help us pray. First of all, do pray for the teachers at Christchurch Hemel, for the elders, for the Sunday club leaders, for the growth group leaders, for the women's group leaders. The list goes on and on. If you're one of those, perhaps you've been struck by the weightiness of your role. Let's pray that we'd all take it seriously. And as we've seen, this passage is not saying do not become teachers, but instead it's making us realise the seriousness of the task. So as we do that, let's pray for our own speech. Just think over what you've said this week. Or make a note this coming week. As we see that we don't live up to what we should, let's repent of our double-mindedness.
If in doubt, stick your tongue out. Well, hopefully that gave us some things to think about. Join us again next week. Hey, baby.